Wow, you can be seated. It's so great to see you this morning. As a kid, I never really enjoyed reading, but I did love one story. It was the great, the great classic Treasure Island. Do we have any Treasure Island fans in the house? Anybody ever read the book Treasure Island? All right, I think four of us. Okay, good. Way to go. Yeah. Treasure Island is like one of those classics. It's kind of like the Great Gatsby or Great Expectations or the Odyssey. You know, it's just like where the red fern grows. You know, you're just like, if you're going to be a cultured kid, you need to read Treasure Island. So, but Treasure Island is a great story because it details how these good guys and the bad guys are both seeking after the treasure. And uh, my favorite character, though, is Long John Silver. He was the guy that only had one leg, and he got around on a crutch. And then he had a good friend named Mad Dog, and he was missing two fingers off his left hand. And you know they're a bad guy if they're missing body parts, amen? You're like, bad guy, bad guy, bad guy, yeah. But uh, it's a great story, and the whole time... Uh, the good guys are trying to keep the treasure from the bad guys and the bad guys are trying to take the treasure. And it really is a fascinating story about finding and seeking after treasure. Uh, God has given us a great treasure in the person of Jesus Christ. And today I've titled the message, Jesus is my treasure, because there is no one like Christ. Christ is our great treasure treasure. In 1622, a group of ships from Spain sunk during a, the middle of a hurricane off of the Florida Keys. Uh, sinking to the bottom of the ocean was uh, countless riches. And it wasn't until 1985 that this, this plethora of jewels and gold and silver was finally found. A guy by the name of Mel Fisher found the lost ships and aboard those ships was 450 million dollars worth of treasure that's that's enough to make anybody want to be a treasure hunter amen 450 million dollars in fact you can actually go to the florida keys and mel fisher's family will take you diving and they'll take you to the wreckage and you can keep up to three thousand dollars worth of treasure that you would find as you're excavating there on the ocean floor. So if you're looking for some vacation ideas, you may want to go to the Keys and become a treasure hunter. <laughs> you can actually search uh, for yourself. But hunting for buried treasure is not limited to pirates and to bounty hunters. Uh, every one of us is on a treasure hunt, and the treasure that we should be seeking is found in Christ. We've been in a series uh, from the book of Colossians where we've been looking um, at these great themes of this uh, ancient book. And I've titled the series, Tell Me Something Good, because the book of Colossians is full of good stuff. And I want us to look at Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 2 today. Um, look with me, if you would, at verses 2 and 3. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In him, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. In him, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. 
And uh, the first thing we see today is that Jesus is the source of all spiritual treasure. Jesus is the source of all spiritual treasure. And notice it says here that in him, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. Uh, In Jesus is everything you need for happiness and holiness, and it's all available. The mine is open, but you got to go in and chisel it out. It's kind of like this. There's a big mine, and God has handled you, handed you an axe, a little pickaxe, and you got to go into the mine, and you got to chisel away a little bit, but it's all available, the riches of Christ. If you'll dig a little bit, you will find great spiritual treasure in Christ. Well, how do we find that treasure? How do we discover that treasure? It starts by understanding that Jesus is the source of every spiritual treasure. Now, what does that mean? In Jesus is all the wisdom that we need. Uh, maybe you've got some relationship problems. And you may think, well, what would Jesus have? What does Jesus have to do with relationships, right? Well, Jesus said this, love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I've loved you. What's the great, greatest way to have a marriage? What's the greatest way to have family relationships or to have friendships? Love one another as I have loved you. The same way that God has loved us, we're called to love other people, to love others. That's a little nugget of truth. Do you see it? That's a little diamond, a little emerald, a, a, little, a little ruby, a little sapphire of truth that comes by understanding the wisdom and knowledge of Christ. And the Bible is full. In fact, you know what? The Bible is a treasure map, amen? There's so many riches that are in the Bible that would direct us in spiritual wisdom. Maybe you're lonely today. You know, Hebrews 13, Jesus said, I, I will never leave you or forsake you. So see, even when you're lonely, you're not alone. If you're in Christ, he's with you. Nugget of truth. A little piece of gold for you today. Think about that. When you're stressed, Matthew eleven twenty eight. then Jesus came and he said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon, upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. It is light. Jesus is the one that carries those Burdens. If you're a little stressed, remember this, man. Come to him when you're weary. Come to Jesus when you're weary. Nugget of truth. A little piece of silver. A little ruby right there. Salvation. How many would you, of you would agree that our salvation is a good thing to know what the wisdom and knowledge of Christ is about salvation? Would you agree with that? That's a good thing to know. I would hope so. Yes, absolutely. Jesus said, said it like this. He said, whoever believes in me will never die. Nugget of truth. So see, in him is a treasure chest. In Christ is all the wisdom and knowledge that we need for life. Priorities. How do we set our priorities? Well, uh, Matthew 6, 33, Jesus said it like this. Seek the kingdom of God above all things, all, all other things and his righteousness, and he'll give you everything that you need. If you'll seek God first, God will add all these other things to you. If God will be the focus of your life. Amazing. Treasures. Treasure. Treasure. 
And you can be wealthy in Christ. You can be wealthy. How would it begin to change the way you looked at the world if you woke up in the morning and you're like, I am rich? Would it put a little spring in your step? Would you wake up in the morning with a little more of a smile on your face? Would you go through the day with a little more optimism and a little more energy? I want you to know you are filthy rich in Christ if you'll begin to access these spiritual treasures that he's offered to us in the Lord. It's an awesome thing. Our joy, our purpose, all these things are found in the scriptures and help us. Earthly treasures run out. Spiritual treasures are abundant. And one of the reasons that our lives can be so depressing is because we are chasing earthly treasures rather than chasing the treasures of heaven. And see, those things run out. They're empty. They have, they're limited. They, 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 they overpromise and they underdeliver. Many of you know what I'm talking about. The treasures of the world, they promise all this stuff. Don't deliver. Jesus always does. In him is all the wisdom and knowledge that we need. Does anybody here ever watch the Antique Roadshow? Anybody watch that show? A few of us? Yeah, they, they had an episode not too long ago. They featured a family in which the great-grandmother ran a boarding house in Boston. And in 1871... That's a long time ago. 1871, she housed the Boston Red Stockings, the baseball team there in Boston. 1871. They signed the letter of thanks, all of the team, and they gave her like some baseball cards, little photos of them. One of the players was a guy named Albert Spaulding that was the first baseball player to use a glove. I don't know what they did before they started using gloves, but... He kind of branded the glove and then came up with the Spalding Corporation that makes a lot of sporting equipment and things like that. And so she had these, these old-timey baseball cards. I mean, they're worth well over 100 years. And uh, she thought, uh, the family just thought, well, you know, grandmother was kind of crazy and she was a pack rat and she left everything in the attic and what are we going to do with it? Well, they brought it out and, and the show details it. They brought in an appraiser and you know what they discovered? These baseball cards, this letter was appraised at a value of over $1 million. I mean, can you imagine if you just had a million bucks sitting around in your attic, in your basement, in your garage, a million bucks? Like, I think it's over there underneath the three boxes over there on the left. Million bucks. This family had treasures that they didn't even know that they had. And, and I think a lot of Christians are like this family. A lot of Christians have a lot more wealth than they're giving themselves credit for. They have a lot more spiritual opportunity than they believe that they really do have. So we've got to unpack, we've got to unload. We need to seek out these great treasures that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's don't live like paupers, man. Let's live like people who are filthy rich in the Lord. Amen. If you look at Colossians chapter two, verse two, he says, I want your hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding 
and have the knowledge of God's mystery. And I love that word heart in verse two. You ought to underline it because the Christian faith is all about the heart. God wants us to know him and love him from the heart, from the heart. And he says, we're joined together in love. You know, the, the, the Christian journey, this treasure hunt is not something that we do by ourselves. Just kind of back to the old book, Treasure Island. You got to have a crew to go hunt for treasure. Amen. You got to have your posse. You got to have people that you're doing life with and that you're journeying with. That's the local church. We're all treasure hunters. And here's what's so awesome. We're not in competition with each other. We're encouraging each other, right? You're like, hey, I found some spiritual gold right over here. And if you'll dig a little bit there, you'll find that same gold. Oh, wow. Somebody else says, oh, I found some silver over. God taught me this. God directed me this way. I've been learning this. And that's what the church body is all about. It's about people seeking out spiritual treasure and then sharing with one another what God is doing in our lives. I'm convinced that the Christian life is much more caught than taught. Now, I'm a preacher and I love Bible study and I love content, but I have learned so much more in my Christian life simply by watching people who are mature in Christ live out their lives. Way more than Bible study. Just, just observing, listening, watching. That's what the church is about. You get around some people of God, faith will start to get on you. You know, you get around some people that start praying. Guess what? You'll start praying. It'll influence you. That's what the church is about. The church is a bunch of treasure hunters. Man, we're all seeking after the treasure of the knowledge and the wisdom of Jesus. And we're doing it together. Isn't that beautiful? That's why we need to be encouraging each other, loving each other, exhorting each other, challenging each other to find that great treasure. It's beautiful. We gotta, we gotta understand Jesus is the source of every spiritual treasure, but we also gotta access the spiritual treasure. Now, how do we find the treasure? All right, treasure hunters, get your hats on, check it out. Here's how we find it. Verse six says, so then just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue in him, continue in him. So the same way that you received Christ is the same way that you walk in Christ. Think about that for a moment. I mean, how did you receive Christ? You did so by faith. Yeah, you did so by faith because you realize that you were not capable in and of yourself to redeem yourself. You had to trust in somebody else and his name is Jesus. So listen, if you're gonna unpack spiritual treasure, you received Christ in faith now you walk in faith every day. Nothing changes. It's the same. What about grace? Did anybody receive Christ by grace? It wasn't by your own merits or your, by your own accomplishments, by your own intuitions. It was all by the grace of God. Every day we walk in grace. We live in grace. Some of us are living under the weight of condemnation. You need to go back to the beginning and remember the gospel 
The gospel is the message of grace. When I received Christ, I did so joyfully. I mean, enthusiastically, amen? I mean, when I heard that God loved me and sent his son, Jesus, that was the greatest thing I'd ever heard. I, I received that joyfully. We ought to live and walk joyfully. If you want to be a treasure hunter, you got to walk in the grace and the joy of Jesus. That's the way we do. We got to walk and live in the same way that we received him. We did so by repentance. We turned away from our own sin and self and we turned to a savior every day. We have to walk in repentance. We did so humbly realizing that we needed help. We needed a savior. We couldn't do it on our own. All these things are true. He says, now just walk in the same way. If you want to find spiritual treasure, live your daily existence the same way that you received Christ in the beginning. Amen. Let's don't make this rocket science. But notice he also says this in verse six. He says, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord. If Jesus is not Lord of your life, you ain't going to find any spiritual treasure. Jesus has to be first. Jesus has got to be number one. Jesus has got to be the CFO of our existence. A lot of people are like, you know what? I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. Yay. When I go to church, <laughs> Jesus, I don't want you anywhere close to my relationships. I want to do my own thing over here. Jesus, I don't mind submitting this area of my life to you, but you don't touch this over here. You can have this, but not that. That's not, that's not Jesus as Lord. Jesus is Lord of everything. And if we want to find spiritual treasure, we got to put Christ first in all that we do. Amen. That's what we got to do. Now, when Christ is first, we begin to discover this great treasure, this great treasure that we have here. Wow. Look at verse six again. So just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Sometimes when we hear the gospel or we think about living out our Christian existence, we get forgetful. We forget maybe the great things that God has done. We forget about how we met the Lord. We forget about the moment the Holy Spirit filled our lives. We, we, we forget. We can be forgetful. Sometimes we can just get discouraged. You know, we, we, we believe we believe the book. We believe in Jesus, but we're just kind of like, man, I'm just weary. I'm, I'm tired. I'm discouraged. And we forget about the riches of Christ. Sometimes we get confused and we try to add things to the message of Jesus. But listen, if we will not be forgetful, confused or discouraged and we will put Christ as Lord, we will begin to discover this true treasure now, I want to give you six great, great things today that he discusses about discovering spiritual treasure. And you can write these down on your outline. The first is this. A treasure experiencing life is a, is a guarded life. In verse 5, chapter 2, verse 5, For I may be absent in the body, but I am with you in the spirit, rejoicing to see how well ordered you are and the strength of your faith. And those words, well-ordered and strengthened, are military terms that speak of a soldier being ready for battle. 
If you're going to be a great treasure seeker and a great treasure consumer, you have to be ready for battle. You got to be ready to fight. The devil is a liar. The devil is an enemy. He wants to steal and to rob what God wants you to have. You, you got to live a guarded life. You, you got to live a going life. In verse six, he speaks of walking or living. It's translated the same. It's translated two different ways, but it's the same word because when you walk a certain way, that's how you live. And when you live, that's how you walk. And so the Christian life is compared to a pilgrimage. It's a journey. You're going with God. You cannot find spiritual treasure by staying where you are. You have to move. When Christ is Lord of your life, you're always moving. You're going somewhere new. There's a new chapter of your life. Man, today, God may be starting a brand new beginning in your existence. Embrace it. Tomorrow, God is going to do something different. The next day, it's a new chapter. It's a new chapter because you are going with God. You're going, you're walking, you're living. That's why the Christian life is compared to a walk because it's a journey. We're constantly going somewhere, constantly uh, experiencing activity and progress. Amen? And then he says, also, it's a grounded life. I mean, look at this. In verse 7, he says that we are rooted. We are rooted. Uh, a great tree has a great root system. Uh, Psalm 1 says, uh, the person of faith is like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that will bring forth its fruit in its season. So when a tree is, is planted in a healthy place, guess what? It has massive roots, doesn't it? If you've ever seen a big tree cut down, you know that they don't go and pull the roots out. They just grind the stump down and leave it in the ground. You cannot pull it out. It's too excessive. It's rooted. I walked out into my backyard this weekend to look at my grass and I had these aspen tree little sprouts all throughout the yard. I hate aspen trees. Those things are nasty. You know why? Because they multiply and they reproduce at catastrophic levels. Even when an aspen tree is cut down, the roots in the ground will continue to produce more sucklings. And so I have a bunch of aspen trees. The people that built my house, they were aspen crazy. I got all these roots and every few feet, there's, it looks like a little flower coming up in the yard. It's, it's like the beginning of a little aspen tree. The root system is extensive. I'm like, man, how could I get rid of these aspen roots? I think it's impossible. I think it's almost impossible to do. I'll tell you what, man, in the Christian life, I want to be rooted like an aspen colony. I want to be rooted like an aspen forest. They say that the aspen is the largest organism in the world because one massive forest can all be interconnected and interrelated by the root system. They're all like brothers and sisters. They're all connected. It's pretty amazing. Listen, man, when Christ is the Lord of your life, you'll be rooted. You'll be established. You'll be dynamic. You'll be strong. You'll live a grounded life. There's also a growing life. He says rooted and built up. And the word built up is referring to like a building. 
Um, if you drive around our city, you will see that they're building lots of buildings, right? Do you ever see a building and you're like, ooh, what's that going to be? Is that going to be a shopping center? Or is that going to be a church? Or what is that going to be? And we look and it's, it's, it's being built up. Uh, in our house, we're always building. We're always doing little projects around the house. My wife loves to decorate. She says it relaxes her. She loves it. She loves to feel good at home. I believe this. I was taught early in our marriage, a woman needs to nest at home. A woman needs to feel good about her house. Can I get a witness today at church? Is that true? All right. I'm glad that's not just my wife. Okay, good. That's all women. And so my wife at our first house, she wanted to go on a painting spree. And she painted like she loves to paint. And our house looked like a bag of Skittles, man. There, every, room, every room was a different color. But she was happy. And if she was happy, I was happy. So it was good. So we always got a project going at the house. Gina just redid the utility room. You know, our utility room is rocking. I mean, we got one of the best utility rooms I have ever seen before. I am so proud of that thing. It's awesome. There's always a project that we're thinking about doing, a project we just completed, or one that we're kind of in the middle of. That's called home ownership. <laughs> There's always something that needs to be done. It's being built up. Well, you know what? Our faith should be like owning a home. There's always a project. God is always taking us to a place that we've never been before. He's building us up. We're rooted and we're built up. We're grounded. We're grounded and we're growing. And we're growing. Because to be built up is to live the growing life. Um, we, we also grow like a school uh, he says uh, here that we have to be taught in verse seven. If you look at that, um, how can I discover treasures in Christ? Well, I got to be taught. We need to be saying, God, teach me. And then I love this in the final part of verse seven. He says, being rooted and built up and established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. And that word overflowing is a word that often references like a river. So we should be flowing in gratitude for all the great things that God has done. Listen, are you grateful today for what Jesus has done in you? Anybody grateful? Yeah. I mean, we should be. In fact, we should be overflowing. It should be like coming out of us. Overflowing in gratitude. Overflowing. That, that's the life that he wants us to live. So how do we access it? Man, we do so by living in gratitude and the grounded life, the growing life, all these things. Finally, we got to guard that spiritual treasure. Just like our friends back in the great story, Treasure Island. Once you have treasure, you have to protect the treasure. People and the devil will come and try and steal it. We got to protect it. How do we guard it? Verse four says, I am saying this. So that no one will deceive you with arguments that sound reasonable. And then in verse 8, be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than on Christ. So Jesus has given me wisdom. He's given me the Holy Spirit. He's given me joy. He's given me peace. He's given me wisdom. He's given me direction. All that. 
but that can be ripped off. And that's why he says in verse 8, be careful that. you got to watch your treasure. you got to be protective over it. If you, have, if you have some valuables, you put them in a safe place, don't you? You, you have a safe in the house. You have a, a secret hiding place. You, you have a bank deposit box. You put valuable things in, in valuable places. Guard. He says, be careful of that. Be careful of that. Your Christian life can be a few bad choices away from great loss. He says, be careful. He says, and then that we're not taken captive. I mean, this is like taken hostage. If we believe the wrong things, if we start to go down the path of embracing false philosophies, we get taken captive. All of a sudden, the treasure that we had is pulled away from us. We're not accessing it. We're not living in it. We're not abiding in it. And he says, don't, don't, don't fall prey to the tricks and the schemes of the world. Don't be taken captive not all philosophies are bad. In fact, some of the greatest philosophers in the world have, have been great Christian thinkers. But not every philosophy is good. How many of you know there's some bad philosophies out there? There's some beliefs that will steal your treasure. It's true. I think the saddest thing in the world is to see Christians gain this wisdom and all the spiritual treasure in Christ and then to trade it away. To leave it behind. To embrace something that God has never called us to do. To be a part of. It's, it's really sad to see. I think we need protection. We need protection. Don't we? we need to guard it. We need to guard it. He says, be careful of that. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I get these robocalls on my cell phone. Anybody get robocalls? I got one. I got a call uh, yesterday from a robot named Julie. Julie was very personable. I mean, if I've ever wanted to speak with a robot, this, this Julie was it, man. Julie was one to talk to me about my uh, warranty on my car. I made the mistake a few months ago of listening to the whole recording and then talking to a salesperson about uh, a car warranty. I just, I guess I had a weak, vulnerable moment, you know? And when I actually got the information, it was like three times what it was probably worth to get a warranty on my car. And so I think I'm on the sucker list. I'm on the shopper list. Call, call Heller. He'll listen to your spiel. So they put Julie, the friendly robot, on me to sell me a thing. It's crazy. I got one the other day that said, you have been approved for your student loan. I thought, that, that's amazing. because How does that work? Because I didn't even apply for a student loan. That is incredible, man. Thank you, Lord, you know. I haven't been in school in years, you know. I was approved. Or how about this one? I, I got this one the other day, too. Um, urgent call about your credit card. Please do not hang up. Don't, they say something like, don't worry, there's not a problem. I'm like, well, then why are you calling me? You know, leave me alone. Calling about your credit card. I was talking with a friend of mine about this, and he shared with me that he has AT&T. I have Sprint, but he has AT&T. And on his phone, a thing comes up when he gets a robocall that says fraud alert. 
And the fraud alert protects him from getting suckered in to these sales pitches and to having conversations with robots by the name of Julie. Isn't that incredible? I was envious. I was jealous. I said Sprint needs to do the same thing. Come on now. We need a little protective, a little protective service around here to kind of keep us away from all of these, all of these false sales pitches, don't we? Well, in Christ, God has given us a great safety mechanism. God has given us great protection. He says, listen, if you'll put Christ as Lord of your life, you'll have protection from all these philosophies and all these different things going on. Um, let me mention a couple of things that I see going on in our culture and our society, false philosophies. And every one of these has touched the people that have come to our church at some point. This is not just out there. Sometimes it's in here. The word of faith movement. It's the belief that God always wants you to be healthy and wealthy. And if you're sick, there's something wrong with your faith. And if you're not a millionaire, there's something wrong with your faith. It's true. A lot of people are drinking the Kool-Aid. And you know, I have watched this with several families in our church over the last few years. And what it does is it leads to frustration and disappointment with God because people feel like they're never good enough. Listen, your Christian life is not about what you can do, but it's about what Christ can do in you. It's a big difference. Don't fall into that philosophy. You will trade your treasure for trash if you begin to follow the teachings of the word of faith movement. Um, also, just tolerance. A huge philosophy in our culture. Everybody wants to, you know, are you tolerant? Do you... Can you affirm every decision and every ideology and every belief that somebody has? I think we need to be worried much more about the truth than we do about tolerance. Now, we love everybody. We got all kinds of people that come to our church. But at the end of the day, we want to know the truth, not just what is the new wave of cultural acceptance and cultural affirmation. What does God say? That's the question that we're asking. What does the Lord say about it? What does the Lordship of Jesus say about that? It's truth over tolerance. It's false religions. You know, we, we had a lady that was very active in our church. She's now involved in the occult. She's an animal shaman. She channels spirits. She's a medium. Sad, man. She traded treasure for trash. Paul says, listen, don't get sucked into that garbage. There's not another gospel. There is one gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't have to add anything to it. If somebody ever comes to you and goes, we have a new revelation, be like... God has given us everything we need to know. We got, we got the spirit of Jesus to empower us. We have the word of God to direct us. We have the person of Jesus to follow. We don't need other gospels or other teachings or others. It's all there. God's just waiting on us to act on it. So it can be false religions and cults. Some, sometimes people are just falling into what I like to call hedonism, which is just living for self. 
selfishness. I could find treasure if I could go to enough parties. I could find treasure if I could just use these drugs. If I, I would find treasure if I could have these relationships. I, I, I would find treasure if, if I, and it's sad. It's a trivial pursuit. It's a pursuit that leaves us empty and hollow and turns our heart away from the true treasure of Christ. <laughs> he says, don't, don't be deceived. Don't fall into the trap of false philosophies. All of the wisdom, all of the truth that you need is in Christ. It's all in him. When I was a kid, I used to do some railroad walking with my granddad. And uh, we would shoot BB guns and ride go-karts and, you know, just do like granddad kind of stuff. Um, I also loved to read Richie Rich comic books. And one day I was visiting my granddad. I had just finished reading Richie Rich comic books. And I looked down on the ground there along the railroad track and I found a piece of gold. And then I found another piece of gold and I started putting them in a can and I was like, Granddad, this is amazing. I'm going to be a millionaire. And I must have worked for an hour filling up every pocket, every can, every piece of gold I could possibly carry back to the house. Only to discover that what I thought was gold was also called fool's gold. Pyrite. Has anybody ever heard of fool's gold? Fool's gold looks like gold. It smells like gold. It feels like gold. It ain't gold. It isn't the real deal. And what I thought was so valuable was really worth absolutely nothing. How many times are we chasing after fool's gold rather than the true riches that we have in Jesus Christ? All the treasures of God are available to us. Let's access them. Let's live by them. And let's protect them with all of our hearts. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer?